Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman. And I'm your other host, Eli Koas. So, Eli, it is now Monday, March 22nd, 2021, and I hear that tomorrow, Tuesday, March 23rd, is a big day over in Israel. Is that correct? A big day. It's a big day in Israel. It's the fourth election in just less than two years. And it is unprecedented, but I'm happy to tell you, because I love when Israel finishes in first place. And actually a recent report has Israel in first place as the most, the country with the most frequent elections among democracies since 1996. 1996 also being the year that Benjamin Netanyahu was first elected and that was a crazy election against Shimon Peres. Um, with that election, Israelis went to sleep with Shimon Peres, prime minister, and they woke up with Netanyahu, uh, prime minister, after they counted all the votes. So I guess I guess we'll hopefully we'll have another exciting uh, night uh, uh, tomorrow. Yes, and you know I know that you're proud of Israel for holding that first place position. But Israel is facing some stiff competition in terms of the frequency of elections. Uh, They are just followed up by Greece, which apparently holds elections on average about every 2.5 years compared to Israel's 2.3. Spain uh, and Japan every three years. Your native Canada uh, once every 3.2 years. And, you know, that may be foreign to us here in the United States who, at least when we're voting for president, uh, that comes only every four years. So this is certainly an interesting metric. We can't say for sure what's going to happen tomorrow with the election. What we can say for certain in these uncertain times is that Israel Policy Forum will be hosting a live elections watch event online that's going to be tomorrow Tuesday, March 23rd at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. It'll be 10 p.m. in Israel. So if you're watching from the scene itself, you can tune in. And there will be a link to that in this podcast's description. We can see some of the early results come in live with some of Israel Policy Forum's experts. Eli will be on the program as well as our policy director, Michael Koplow, policy advisor, Shira Efron, and our Israel fellow, Nimrod Novik. So once again, link in the description. We hope that you will join us for that. But in the meantime, let's just go with a quick overview of what people should expect, what issues are going to be at play tomorrow when Israelis head to the polls and as we watch the results come in. Right, Evan. And there's a lot of interesting things at play. Um, Netanyahu, this has been the battle of his life and his career and his a legal battle for his life as well. Remember, there are still those three indictments. Netanyahu is on trial for uh, corruption charges and for bribery, for breach of trust. Um, the trial has been delayed because of the pandemic, but that trial still is a priority for Netanyahu. And reaching a government and forming a coalition is his best way out. Um, So Netanyahu has campaigned um, like crazy. Um, He always does, but this time it was a vaccine campaign. Um, We talked about Israel being first in the most frequent elections since 1996. 
Israel are also first place when it comes to uh, the percentage of the population that has been vaccinated. Um, and Netanyahu has made the campaign about it, and it, to his credit, uh, it was a great uh, success. There are lots of things to criticize about how Israel has handled the virus, but in terms of vaccines, to his credit, Netanyahu has done a very good job. Um, now, when Israelis go to the polls tomorrow, um, there are going to be three um, possible outcomes, right? The obvious outcome is that Netanyahu is able to form a coalition. He will do that by making a coalition with his Likud party, with the two ultra-Orthodox parties, United Toward Judaism and Shas, with the national, um, sorry, with the religious Zionist party, that is the party that includes uh, the Kahanists, um, led by Betzal Smotrich, and probably also with Naftali Bennett, who has yet to commit to sitting in government with Netanyahu, but he has also um, yet uh, to uh, deny or to kind of he's staying on the fence. But most people assume that he will eventually join the Netanyahu government. And Bennett made that all the more clear today. He signed a pledge on live television saying that he would not sit in a government uh, that is led by Yair Lapid of the Eshatid party. Now, these pre-election promises are made to be broken and you need look no further than Benny Gantz or even Amir Peretz, who put more on the line than just signing a pledge. He shaved his own uh, trademark mustache to say that he wouldn't sit with Netanyahu and then went ahead and did it. Um, so that has to be kept in mind. But at the same time, it seems that Net, uh, Bennett, at least at the moment, is moving himself into a position where Netanyahu seems like his most natural partner after this election. Yes. And so in that scenario, if all those parties that, that I mentioned get 61 seats or more, Netanyahu has a pretty clear path to coalition and a pretty clear path to immunity from these legal uh, proceedings. The other scenario, which also I think is there's a good chance of it happening, is that we have another stalemate. Part of the reason why Israel is uh, leading or has... Uh, <laughs> leading in the most amount of elections uh, since 1996, is that um, these four elections, we've kind of had uh, results that have um, made it almost impossible to form a coalition where no, no party can get the 61 seats that you usually need to form a coalition. Um, and there are a whole bunch of reasons for this, but there is a good chance that Netanyahu will not reach 61. If he does not reach 61, then it could uh, we could have some cycle of Netanyahu trying to form a government, trying to get uh, defectors from other parties uh, to possibly join, to reach 61. Um, but at the end of the day, we'll just end up in another election cycle. And on that possibility, it's also important to note that for Netanyahu's opponents, they need to win. They need to be above 61. Obviously, Netanyahu would like to be in charge of a full functioning coalition, but really he just needs to not lose, 
which is different from needing to come out victorious. As long as both sides can't form a coalition, he continues on as acting prime minister, as he did after the April 2019 and September 2019 elections. Yeah, right. And so the third, um, this, this, the third possibility uh, is an alternative coalition where Netanyahu actually loses his seat as prime minister. I, I don't think this is a very likely scenario um, for a bunch of reasons, which I don't know if we'll have time to get into. But this would involve um, one of the three um, leaders of the other parties, Yair Lapid being the leader of Yeshatid, which is currently polling in second place quite a ways behind Netanyahu's Likud. The other big players here are Gidon Saar, who obviously left the Likud to, fa- to create the New Hope party, Tigva Hadasha, and Naftali Bennett, who we mentioned, um, who it looks like is um, trending towards the Netanyahu side, um, but because um, he is someone who could, in theory, sit in a number of different coalitions, um, he's also someone to look at. And uh, but but this would have to require a power sharing deal between two out of the three. And it's kind of a, a complicated scenario with the first option that we mentioned. Netanyahu has a really natural coalition, a coalition of natural partners, the ultra-Orthodox parties, and the the uh, religious Zionists, um, and Naftali Bennett. It would be an easy coalition to form, and, that, and that's why um, I think that's probably the most likely scenario, but again, we really have no idea. Going into this, of course, as you just said, we can't know for certain until the numbers are out and until they're finalized, but uh, there's a lot more uncertainty on the other side, on the anti-Netanyahu side, uh, because it really isn't a cohesive block. You know, in the past, people have liked to speak about the center-left Arab uh, block, which also wasn't really a cohesive block, and now there's talk of this anti-Netanyahu block. Uh, but there are all these interlocking promises not to sit with different parties. We talked about before Bennett saying that he won't sit with Lapid, uh, Gidon Saar and Ayelet Shaked, uh, who is also of Bennett's Yamina party, have said that they won't sit with Meretz. Um, I'm, I'm sure that there are questions about who would be willing to sit with the joint list or in a government that is backed from the outside by the joint list, uh, that alliance of Israeli Arab parties. So that's a built-in deficit that the uh, anti-Netanyahu bloc comes with. And then there's also the fact that you know Israel has what's called an electoral threshold. You need to get 3.25% of the vote to cross into the Knesset and get any seats at all. And if you don't get 3.25% of the vote, you don't get any seats. Um, that usually comes out to about four seats. So there's no such thing as getting you know two seats in the Knesset. You just all your votes, they're essentially considered wasted votes. Um, so that is a concern. And, and a lot of the parties that are hovering closer to the threshold are parties that would be considered anti-Netanyahu, Meretz, uh, the leftist uh, Zionist party. Um, you have also uh, Kacho Lavan, uh, the party of Benny Gantz, which uh, earned probably about 30 more seats in the last election than it's going to earn this time. Uh, and they are also facing extinction. Um, so 
if those parties don't make it into the Knesset at all, uh, that plays very heavily to Netanyahu's favor. And that could be just a question of a couple of thousand votes or a question of turnout, really. If we talk about uh, Naftali Bennett, for example, in the April 2019 election, Bennett was polling at six seats um, when the last polls came out, and he actually dropped, I think it was about 3,000 votes, he ended up below the the threshold, and he was actually, a lot of people thought that him and Ayelet Shaked's um, political careers were over. Obviously, that did not prove to be the case, but very, very thin margins um, will determine, uh, there's a good chance that these thin margins will determine um, the fate of Benjamin Netanyahu and these elections. So that's definitely something I to mean, watch. To, to, to give you an idea of how narrow this is, the outcome of Israel's election could hinge on essentially a group that's the size of the audience, the average audience for one of these podcast episodes. You know, a no, we don't people. disclose. We don't disclose our the, uh, the metrics of our audience, Evan. Please, please. We won't. We won't say the exact number unless it, it ends up really deciding. But yeah, um, it, it exactly. is a it is a relatively small number, um, and that is something to keep in mind. But you know, as we were saying earlier, we can't know for sure. Um, we won't know defi- definitively unless the election is really a landslide, which I don't think that it will be. What we will get tomorrow is exit polls, which for last election, they were pretty accurate um, to the credit of um, all all the pollsters that put them together. Um, We got a really good indication right off the bat. But you'll remember in 2015, uh, I think when the exit polls, they showed uh, Bougie Herzog and Netanyahu uh, tied uh, this was with the Zionist Union. When the real votes were counted, it turned out that Netanyahu had won by, I believe, it was six or seven seats. Um, so bear in mind that what we'll see tomorrow evening or tomorrow afternoon uh, in uh, East Coast time is not the final results, but it will give us an indication of where things are headed. And we'll know about voter turnout, which is going to be key in uh, tomorrow's vote. Uh, a lot of Israelis are tired of elections. I've spoken to a lot of people here who don't really have an interest to vote anymore. Um, but at the same time, you have more Israelis uh, that are actually in Israel because there aren't that many places to travel. Israel is actually uh, more open uh, than most countries uh, in the world. So most Israelis are at home. And uh, I hope that voter turnout will be high, but that's something that will prove pivotal and voter turnout in specific uh, demographics. If voter turnout is uh, high uh, among Israeli Arabs, um, that could be an indication um, of something. If voter turnout is high among in cities like Tel Aviv, in the Tel Aviv area, that is a good sign for the anti-Netanyahu bloc. If voter turnout is high in the West Bank and in um, cities in the periphery like Beersheba and uh, Ashkelon, then that's a good sign for uh, Netanyahu. So it's something that we need to play um, to pay a close, close eye on, and that will indicate tomorrow uh, where things are headed. All important caveats for our listeners as you consider what may happen tomorrow. 
and we may not have the full picture, but we will know more when we have our next program that is again taking place tomorrow, Tuesday, March 23rd at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. And I encourage everyone to tune in. EY, all this election talk, though, it's giving me flashbacks to each of the past elections. And I'm sure that we're going to have no shortage of election discussion for the coming months. And I guess in saying that, I've revealed my, uh, uh, I don't want to say favorite outcome, but the one that I think is most likely. Uh, But we're going to draw this episode to a close. Of course, we will have more election resources as the results play out. Thanks for tuning in. And until next episode, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, bye-bye.